This podcast is now brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And it's everything you need to make a podcast great in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 52. This podcast is sponsored by Generation You Can, the smarter energy nutrition that's powered by Superstarch, a slow-release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long-lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. Visit generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first purchase. That's generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. Generation You Can, the best choice for steady energy. This podcast is also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. My name is Andrew Lorenzo, and I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a two-hour and 40-minute marathon by the year 2020. Over the course of my journey, starting in 2018, I've discovered many things about the human spirit that I want to share with all of you. It's my hope that I'll help you reach your true potential and inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. With the help of an amazing community of listeners and speakers, we can all push ourselves harder than we ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. My name is Andrew Lorenzo. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find all things Breaking the Barrier at the website, breakingthebarrierpodcast.com. You'll find detailed show notes, links to my life coaching and mindfulness coaching services, as well as a link to request to join the Breaking the Barrier Facebook community group. Of course, the Facebook community group is a place where you can go if you have questions, comments, victories, anything having to do with your journey. We're all there to help you out, listen, and celebrate your victories. I also want to remind you that if you are enjoying the podcast, please hop on iTunes, subscribe, and really, really important, leave a review. It takes like 20 seconds, and it will really help the popularity of the podcast in terms of getting it out there and letting more and more people hear it, because the more reviews I get, the more visible the podcast is. So we've got an exciting episode today. I'm going to be talking with Nick Jankowskis of Mets Performance about the importance of VO2 max and, of course, what it is. Before we get into that, I want to give a couple of shout-outs and mentions to some of the Breaking the Barrier members who are going above and beyond. So this first shout-out goes to Dean. So Dean posted in the Facebook community group with the results of his really ambitious goal for this year. Dean said, Hey, guys. At the start of this year, I set myself a stupid goal of running three ultra marathons over the year. Well, I'm happy to say that yesterday I successfully completed my third 50K for the year. I was dreaming of finishing yesterday's run in under five and a half hours and somehow managed to achieve that with a few minutes to spare. I'm so stoked. 
Never give up on your dreams, guys. With a little determination, anything is possible. What a great message, Dean. Thank you so much for sharing. And for those of you who are not part of the Facebook community group or, or are part of the Facebook community group, just want to say once you get there, Dean actually has posted a race recap video, which is really awesome. Uh, he's done this a couple times, and they're really great to watch. So I really, really recommend that. And Dean, man, that is such a cool accomplishment. Like really, really congratulations. Well done. Three ultras for the year. And finishing the final one at under 5.30, that's really amazing, man. And I love your message. That's that's absolutely spot on. Never give up and keep that determination going. Shani had this to say on the Breaking the Barrier Facebook page. Just listen to episode 51. And you're so right. With the support of others that are there helping you, you can get through a sore run. Yes, I didn't do a full marathon, but I attempted my second half marathon and stupid me went into it already with a niggle and should have downgraded, but still went out there and started and felt okay till about six kilometers in. Then I totally messed it up at the nine kilometer mark and hobbled the last 14K. But with all the messages I got, I was determined to cross the finish line and collect my bling. I didn't get up at 4.30 a.m. to get a DNF against my name. Just think, next year we both have a redemption run to do and complete. Absolutely, Shani. I'm with you 110%. I'm so ready to get back to a race and have my revenge. And good on you for, for continuing your race as well. I think you hit the nail spot on the head. It, it You know, that running community is so important. And they just come out of the woodwork. I mean, they're always there. But when something's going wrong, they're there for you like so much and so fiercely that it would almost be impossible to not want to cross that line. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances where you can't, but, you know, if you can, do. And congratulations on doing. So rock on. I'm noticing a pattern in the last couple. There's a lot of quote-unquote stupid things going on. Stupid goals, stupid niggles. <laughs> so we'll get there, everybody. We're all going to educate ourselves <laughs> soon. This note comes from Omar. Very inspirational. Keep up the good work, Andrew. I really enjoy this podcast and it helped me a lot preparing myself for my second full marathon as well as other topics related to running. Thanks again, Andrew. Uh, Omar. That's so nice. Thank you for sending that note in. That's that's really That really means a lot to me. I'm, I'm glad that I was able to help you towards your marathon and, and I'm so stoked that you got a PB in that one. So thank you very much for sending that in, Omar. That's, um, that's huge. And this last note comes from Austin. Austin said, I've been looking at the fire in my eyes, trying for change, but I always come up just short. With your help, this time, I'll break through those barriers and change myself. Absolutely, Austin. I love the determination that I can just sort of hear coming from that message, man. Like, I, I hope you go for it. And, you know, sometimes we do come up short. You know, I, I've come up short a lot of times in my life, and we don't always get it on the first try, and that's okay. But it sounds like you've got the determination to keep going, and I'm really excited to see where your journey takes you. So go for it, man. Absolutely go for it. So congratulations again to all the members of the Breaking the Barrier community who are going above and beyond. Remember, check out a link to request to join that or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram at Breaking the Barrier Podcast, and I will send you the link or approve your request so you can get in on that action. So, okay, I want to get into today's episode, speaking with Nick about VO2 Max and what exactly he does as a VO2 Max facility tester. So, 
At the very core, VO2 max is basically known as maximal oxygen uptake, and it's the measurement of the maximum amount of oxygen a person can utilize during intense exercise. And Nick tests this and tests your body's ability to use this at his facility here in Melbourne. So Nick is a sports scientist and endurance performance coach at Mets Performance Consulting. He's a specialist in improving endurance economy by prescribing strength and conditioning and performing biomechanical analysis of human movement to ultimately improve endurance performance, simultaneously assisting the reduction of injury risk associated with endurance sports. He's got a Bachelor of Exercise in Sports Science with a major in sports coaching. He's an accredited exercise scientist. He's part of the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. And he's an Australian Weightlifting Federation sports power coach. So he's definitely got the experience behind him. He knows what he's talking about. The fact that you were able to do this workout doesn't matter if you were slow or struggling. I mean, the fact that you got through it, I mean, that in and of itself is, is huge. I think I have to imagine that uh, the reason that a workout like this would be included in a plan is probably, I'd almost say it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing. I mean, yeah, to work out for three hours physically is a crazy endurance trial, but the fact that you stuck with it and you didn't give up, that says to come onto the podcast and talk a little bit about Mets performance and what they do in terms of their VO2 max testing facility. So Nick, thank you so much for coming on. That's really awesome. No worries. Thanks for uh, thanks for knowing the pronunciation on the last name too. Good one. Good. Yeah, one. You know, it's always, have, always, always a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I've no, done it once. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Pronouncing that's like uh, doing an ultra. I think you do it once and then you don't have to do it again. Yeah. Correct. Correct. There you go. Get it right the first time. That's all right. So Nick, tell me a little bit about your background. How'd you get involved with strength condition? Can run a half marathon in any way you want, whether it's part of a race, whether it's part of your training, or whether you're walking, running, jogging, whatever. And you get the bling. You get to share that accomplishment with the MTA group and the virtual half group that pops up. And it's just a really, it's a really great way to bring a community together who otherwise wouldn't really be together. It's, you know, obviously with MTA, you have the community group as well, and that's a great way to meet new people. But also, it's just nice to share that accomplishment with others. So Annabelle and Marty, really, really well done. So glad that you were able to get it done. Marty, I know that you had said that it was a bit of a redemption after your last marathon. So that's always a great thing. Really, really well done. And um, I, I can't wait to see how you travel along. You're very active in the community. So thank you so much for that. Annabelle, I know that you're struggling a little bit with your pace at the moment, but I think a little bit of rest and recovery, you're going to you're gonna do just fine. And the fact, again, if I kind of go back to what I was talking about with Paul, the fact that you did it says, says amazing things about you. Uh, it doesn't always matter what the pace is. It doesn't matter how fast you're going, how slow you're going, but the fact that you have the heart and the gumption to do it, that, that's a big deal. So Annabelle and Marty, congratulations. So congratulations to all of the members of the Breaking the Barrier community who are going above and beyond. Again, you can find a link to request to join the Facebook community group at the website breakingthebarrierpodcast.com or sending me a message on Facebook or Instagram and I'll send you the link to request to join. It's a great way to share your journey. It's a great way to get others involved. And I think for a lot of us, when we're setting goals and crushing goals, it's a great thing to do is to share them. And on the opposite end of that coin, if you're having a challenge 
it's a great way to sh to get some answers you know share the challenge in the group ask questions because there's always somebody who's been there or has been in a situation like that okay so real quick before i start talking about the spartan i just want to give you a little bit of an update on myself so obviously with the race did that that was great you know i i am recovering my quads are still pretty sore which i'll talk about in a little bit but in a good way not in an injury way and my running is full circle now i've been working with the myotherapist jason nass that of course i found through isabel ross which you can listen to her episode which is a couple episodes ago and of course isabel ross is an ultra runner who took part in the barkley marathons now i found him through her and he's been working on things like balance and degrees of rotation and some of the strength and we're just trying to work through the problem he very much is somebody who he's very much like he it's like watching sherlock holmes when i'm in a session with him because he uses like deductive reasoning right so he'll start out thinking or well he'll start out saying okay it could be this this and this and he's not saying that just because he doesn't know what else to say he's saying it because legitimately it could be this this or this and then we'll talk through it and then he'll rule something out and then we'll continue to talk through it or he'll watch me you know stand on one leg on a soft surface or he'll analyze my strength or he'll analyze how flexible i am or how i'm standing or moving and then he'll eliminate another reason or two and then we'll just keep going through the motions and you know we're gonna we're gonna continue to do that until we can really get on top of this problem and you know i'm, I'm continuing to work on my speed which is great like this morning i had a great workout it was a two mile warm-up about a 3k warm-up and then eight times 800 meter repeats and so i kept those at about a seven about a seven fifteen to seven thirty mile pace that's about a i don't know it's like a four thirty to four forty kilometer pace for the first four to five and then the last three i actually sped up so it was really great i was feeling strong and i sped up at the end so i was doing closer to 415 kilometer pace or about a 650 to a 705 mile and you know the, those workouts are tough you know eight times 800 meter repeats sometimes doesn't sound like a big deal like i mean i'll look at it and be like okay that's 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 a cool workout but by the time you're done man like <laughs> it's hard so the fact that i'm able to to pick up the pace at the end of it i'm really really excited about that i mean it was it was a bit tougher today than it normally would have been because again my quads are still a bit sore and i'm still recovering from the spartan but yeah the running is going great i the other day set out for an easy pace five mile run and i ended up running eight miles so i set out for in kilometers about eight kilometers i ended up running 13 and that was great again i sped up toward the end so for the first five miles i kept it at a cruisy 9:30 to 9:45 pace or about a about a six minute kilometer and then toward the end the last three miles I, I picked it up substantially so down to anywhere between an eight to an 8:30 minute mile or about a five to 520 kilometer pace and I felt really strong I felt like I could have kept going no niggles no pain it was great so that's awesome I'm really looking forward to continuing along with my speed workouts. The myotherapist Jason wants me to start picking up with my long runs again. So at the moment, Steve, Coach Steve from Marathon Training Academy, and I have formulated a plan where the Sunday long runs have been replaced with Sunday 
cross training sessions are well aerobic cross training sessions so for example this sunday i have scheduled a two hour long aerobic session whether that be a bike ride or the elliptical trainer something other than running which may or may not change uh, depending on what coach steve thinks about uh, what the myotherapist said and getting the long runs in but if i don't do a long run this weekend i'm not really going to be too upset about it just because I got in a midweek long-ish run. I know eight miles is not really a long run, but it's the longest run I've done in a little while, longest steady state run that I've done in a while. So that's something. I generally personally don't consider it a long run unless it's 10 miles or over. Even 10 miles, I still kind of feel like it's a bit mid-distance because I I can do that in about an hour and a half. So I, I feel like long runs are an hour and 45 minutes or longer for me personally for me that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to anybody else not worth a hill of beans to anybody else if your long run is 30 minutes that's great you know it just depends on what your ability is at or what your skill levels at or where your experience is at at the moment so that's where i am at the moment i am confident that between these new workouts and jason and you know coach steve that I will be able to beat this injury. And right now, at this moment, I am looking at probably not doing an April marathon. I don't know that might change, but I'm, I'm possibly going to do the Gold Coast Marathon in July as my next marathon. So that gives me from now seven and a half months or something like that to really prepare for this thing. And by the time I get there, I'll be looking to be chasing a 320 or a 330 time. I know that's ambitious. But that's seven months of speed work, seven months of really working with my body to make sure that everything gets sorted, and I think that I can do it. Now, the the 240 may not happen in 2020. Matter of fact, I can can say with some confidence that it won't. Maybe I'm hoping that I'll be able to BQ in 2020, but even that might be a little bit of a stretch if I'm doing a 320 to 330 marathon, best case scenario, in July. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, this journey, again, was never so much about just the time and the schedule in which I want to do it. It was more about working with my mental capacity and my physical capacity and see what my limits are. You know, I've said this before a couple years ago. If I had hit these roadblocks, I would have given up, you know, hands down, given up. But the fact that I'm, I'm still going and still trying to figure out a way to keep going that excites me and it excites me to see where I'm going to go with my running. So, okay, the Spartan. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is just my general experience with the Spartan. So I got into the Spartan races just this year. So March was my first one out in the Turidan estate here in Victoria. I started my Spartan journey with a super. So the super is, like I said, the 13 kilometer obstacle course and that was that was really hard it was really really hard because a i had never done one before i'd never i'd not really trained for it but b in turidan that day in march it was like stupidly hot it was i think it was like 37 degrees celsius by 9 or 10 a.m and that's about I don't know, it's like 100 degrees, 105 degrees or something, so it was dumb. (laughs) But it was a lot of fun. We got through it. Uh, So that was my first Spartan, of course. I do have a Lessons from a Spartan outlining that particular race. I can't remember what episode it is, but have a search for it, Lessons from a Spartan in the Breaking the Barrier podcast. Have a listen. 
Um, and then, so with this one, it was it was a similar it was a similar experience for me. I trained a little bit more than I did for the last one, and by a little bit more, I don't mean much more. I just mean that I spent a little bit more time, say, with a rope. But even then, I only was able to climb the rope maybe two or three times out of the 30 that I attempted it in my training, right? So it wasn't like I was going gung-ho. I worked a little bit more with the monkey bars. So I was overall pretty pretty happy with, with how the Spartan went. But it was just a great experience. You know, I was there with... I was there with a team, you know, we raced as a team, you know, Andrew, Andy, who has been on the podcast before with the Park Run episode, sort of is our team captain, and it's an honor to run with him. I love running with him. One of my favorite. Sure. Pretty much just VO2 Max. We just want to see the highest possible ventilation, highest possible heart rate, really, and the, the greatest usage of oxygen at, at, at those variables to give us the, the highest VO2 Max we can and run at the highest speed. 10 to 12 minutes, you're not going to be inhibited too much by accumulated fatigue. Yes, lactic acid is going to be up there by the end, but it's not long enough to really start making it absolutely hurt and impact how high that VO2 max number can get. Yep. So that's one side of the spectrum. We use that for a very small portion of our clients that come in and see us. Like I said, five, uh, 800, 1500 meter runner, perfect. The one that we majorly use for the longer distance events isn't quite as good at getting the best VO2 max result. So you get a little bit of a, so it's only a couple of percent lower than what you probably could get to, but it gives us more advantage in terms of those submax zones that I was talking about before. So we use a three-minute ramp test. Yep. So every three minutes, we'll increase the speed by 1K an hour, again, using the treadmill example. So we have bigger steps up, but it's over a longer period of time, allowing an athlete to steady state a bit more at that stage. Sure. Test goes for about 18 to 20 minutes on average. But what it allows us to do is then take a blood lactate sample. And this is where at the end of each stage, because we've steady state. And this is where the useful information comes from, because if we can get that blood lactate sample. Love you, buddy. You were there too. <laughs> um, basically, we started with the sprint on the Saturday. Brendan didn't take part in the sprint. That's why I, I forgot to mention his name, because I, was, I, was, I wrote down everybody that did the sprint with us. But so we did the sprint on Saturday, and it was really a lot of fun. It took us about an hour and 20 minutes to do it. And it was, it was a blast. The Sunday was the Spartan Beast, which was the half marathon. That's what Brendan joined us for. So again, kudos to Brendan. This is his first Spartan. Really, he's just getting into fitness, and he decided that his first race was going to be the Spartan Beast up Mystic Mountain. That's crazy. You're crazy. Well done. <laughs> and that was that was a lot of fun. So that took us about five and a half hours. Some of us got injured along the way or were struggling with injury. Thankfully, I was not one of them for once not that i'm thankful that anybody was injured but it was just it was it was nice to not be the injured one for for once and so yeah we traveled on through now just speaking about some of the obstacles i mean i don't want to get too much into the obstacles because as i said in my last episode about the spartan part of the fun is sort of hitting the obstacles when you're not sure exactly what to expect. I mean, there are obstacles that you know, right? So there's the rope climb, there's the spear throw, there's the fire walk in some, in some areas. We didn't have the fire walk. I don't think we had the fire walk back in March either. Um, there of course are the basic walls and, you know, to get to the start line, you have to jump over a wall first. So you're, you're getting an obstacle right away. But there are also obstacles that 
you know, that are just fun, like the barbed wire crawl. It's not particularly hard. It's, you know, it's just, it takes a while because it can be a, a quite a long distance and depending on if you get caught or not, but it's great photo op anyway. But yeah, some of the obstacles that I did not expect to be hard, I will say, for example, the horizontal rope. To settle, um, lactate as a, as a whole will start to steady state a little bit. It's not constantly on the rise. So it just gives us a better picture of what you're going to be doing in those, those sub-maximal intensities. So we use that mostly for our longer, longer duration events and longer duration athletes. It also gives us the ability to have a look at what someone's training zones are and break down, all right, from a zone two long, slow running perspective, depending on how many how many zones you're using. Um, we use a five-zone system, so zone two is your, your long, slow, continuous running. Um, what heart rate do we need to be sitting at? What pace does that correlate to for a best effect in terms of building the Ks into your legs, um, managing fatigue? What types of intervals do we need to be doing? We can see those clear progressions um, through the three-minute ramp test better than the one. But the downside is VO2 max as a whole, we slightly get a, an impacted reading because it is a longer test. So yeah. it is a bit of a trade-off. Like I said at the start, though, it's it's all what information do you need and we'll apply the appropriate test protocol to give you the information that you need. Yeah, right. And I remember that. I remember we started when I did it. I think we started at like a six-minute mm. kilometer and then mm. we ended somewhere just below a five-minute kilometer. And it wasn't – it's not like that's that – I mean, it's quick, but it's not like that, that quick, but it's like a hard yep. test. Like you start at this yep. easy pace and then all of a sudden, 15 minutes in, you're like, oh my God, why yeah. is this so hard? It's funny that, but yeah, yeah. It's an yeah, intense the, the test. First, the, yeah. The first three quarters of the test, pretty, pretty comfortable. Um, yeah. I only, did, I only did my own testing a couple of weeks ago and yeah, you, every time I test, I forget, uh, not forget about, I know it's coming, but you're in the test and you get caught up in the moment and you go all of a sudden with sort of six or so minutes to go, you, you hit that threshold and just above and you're like, gee, this got hard all of a sudden. Like yeah. you're cruising along and then that last six, seven minutes is just, yeah, it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. And that's, it's like, that's where it's just motivation comes into it. We, we get the, we get the tunes on in here and, and start yelling and screaming because it's <laughs> trying to get people up to get them through the end because it, it becomes a mental battle at, at that last little couple of minutes. Totally. Yeah. Like, like yeah. a lot of running does look at that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so sort of once you uh, once you sort of know what your VO2 max is, well, actually, before that, what, what's a good like what's an average sort of number for a VO2 max? For depends what. we're Yeah, it depends what we're looking at. I, we get asked this question a lot and I always it, it's almost the million dollar question in terms of what's a good VO2 max and what's an average one. And and having a this particular VO2 max, is that going to do me um, do me better or worse? At the end of the day, so we've got two two types of VO2 max. I'll cover this first because this will make a little bit more sense. We've got what we call our absolute VO2 max, which is just the total amount of oxygen you can take in transport utilize in, uh, at a maximal level in one minute. That just is an absolute amount. It's what you're taking in regardless of your genetic, physiological, and anatomical factors. Yep. So generally in that, in that regard, we see bigger, taller athletes have really high absolute VO2 maxes. Um, as, as an example, we, like, and where that stems from is just bigger lung capacity, more muscle mass, more blood volume, et cetera. So they can take in transport, utilize more. Um, we also have our relative VO2 max. So we take your absolute, we divide it by your body weight in kilograms, gives us our relative VO2 max. And this is the one that most people talk about. It's what you get on your Garmin if it estimates VO2 max, uh, yeah. on your watch, things like that. 
Um, it's milliliters of oxygen per kilogram per minute. So it, it'll come out as something like something pretty average. When I say average for depends on your, your age category, your gender, height, weight, a, a lot of different characteristics, but something that's pretty average that we see across, let's say you, your upper upper tier amateur athletes. So there may be in a in a triathlete circumstance, there might be a top ten, top top fifteen in their age group finisher. Probably somewhere around a sixty mark is what we generally see at those those upper ends of the age groups. Um, so in terms of general population, though, probably close to forty five fifty is just a good good average score for someone who's somewhat fit, but they're not they don't call themselves sort of a top end age group or they're not really training for something specific. Um, they're just sort of general fitness, sort of 45 to 50 is pretty typical. Your elite guys, and again, probably I'm getting these numbers more from the male side of things to start with, but the elite guys are generally sort of, depending on their sport up in the 60, yeah. anywhere really 65 plus is starting to get on the elite end of the spectrum with your guys like your Chris Frooms in, in the Tour de France. Yeah. Um, Kipchoge, you obviously what two days ago break broke two hours for the marathon for the first time, which is pretty I was impressive. Just about to ask you what you think his was. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's probably high eighties, I would yeah, say. Wow. I mean, he's he's probably fifty five kilos. Doesn't have the best absolute, but it probably like what four and a half, five thousand. It's for his size, it's probably pretty high up there. But he's not carrying the mass, so it, it, he's got a he'd probably have yeah somewhere in the high eighties, I would think. Um, some of the top end cyclists are in the nineties, like highest records, like 96. Again, coming back to cross country skiing, those guys are, are insane because of the altitude effect that they get in their training and the demand of their sport as well. So really it's what, what's good for your sport. Typically we see really big VO2 maxes, uh, relative in cyclists, yep. an interesting one. Um, cause often we talk about runners using more, ma- more muscle mass. So you might think that. Um, with the arms swinging, legs going, cross-country skiers, things like that, you, you might have more oxygen usage across your whole body. So that can lead to higher VO2 max. But we often see, particularly in cyclists, we see VO2 max a lot higher, purely from the fact that they're able to get their ventilation up there. They can yeah. get more air in to start with because their body's in a stable position. Um, the torso is quite relaxed. There's no impact coming up through the ground, through their leg, jamming up their diaphragm, um, causing that shortened breath they can really just open their lungs up and get that full deep breath in. So when they're breathing faster, they're making the most of how much air they're getting in. Not all of that air is oxygen, um, but if we can get more air in, if you can get a ventilation of, like we've seen, we saw a six foot six, 110 kilo cyclist get his ventilation up to like 266 litres of air coming into his lungs every minute. That's huge. Of course, he's going to have a high usage of oxygen because he's got so much better chance at getting oxygen in the first place. Um, so that type of thing, we generally see cyclists can get up to those high 80s and, and 90s at the elite level, um, whereas runners sort of struggle to get up there a bit. But running then also becomes a bit more about what your economy is doing. So you may not have the highest oxygen usage um, in the field, but if your technique is is wasting the least amount of energy and you're making the most of that aerobic energy production, um, that is also a pretty critical part of the puzzle, as well as what percentage of your engine you can hold over the duration of the race etc so this is where we can start talking about i mean coming back to kipchoge obviously everyone's all across the the four percent nikes and the 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 next percenters (laughs) as well um it's the type of thing that i mean at the end of the day those those four percenters or the next percenters um the the research on them was that they would drop oxygen consumption at the same intensity by what was it four percent really so 
So it'd be four yeah. percent lower. What does that mean? It, well, you're not having to expend as much energy um, o- overall. So it t- basically makes that workload a little bit easier. So when they do push push the pace up a bit, he's just cruising. I mean, if if you watch the back end of it, I think from thirty six kilometers into the rest of the rest of the race, except for I think the last K, because he obviously picked it up and got rid of the paces and went off. He's averaging two fifty pace per K. I mean, and he and he's smiling. He's cruising. Like I love it, I love watching him run. He's always smiling. <laughs> he's yeah, always it, smiling. It, it's nuts. But a lot of that stems from running economy. I mean. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to be using necessarily massive amounts of oxygen and burning huge amount of fuel. He wants to be as, I don't, I don't like using the word efficient because it's strictly not correct in terms of the physiology, but he wants to be as economical as possible, mm. make the most of the oxygen he is using. But a lot of that comes from his biomechanics. Um, you watch his technique and it's this effortless floating technique that he's not wasting a, a, a single um, milliliter of oxygen or, or energy usage. He's just floating through and uh, and getting the most of it. So in terms of VO2 max, he may not have one of the highest record in the world, but he can use a really high percentage of the engine he's got, and he makes he makes that engine work as economically as he can. Yeah. Um, so so the, the, you can start to see there's a few more factors that work into it above above and beyond what what VO2 max can tell us, um, which is why all that submaximal data is really critical. And so once you know what that VO2 max is, and yep. what 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 can you do? Like, what can you specifically, as a runner, say as a runner, what can you do with that information? How can you improve it? Can you improve it? Uh, what comes next? Yeah, so the big, the big one is, um, for, from our perspective, is we break down the data. And, and as you know, when you come in, we, we analyze the data for a couple of key points, really looking for, for our, we, we use a five-zone training zone system to, to give the information. So um, zone one being active recovery, zone two, your endurance or long slow, zone three, a threshold slash tempo um, you can break that one down into two if you like. Zone four being your sort of in above threshold to VO2 max, and then zone five, technically speaking, being above VO2 max, so semi-anaerobic. Um, from the information we do also get through ventilation, what your lactate's doing, we and, and what your usage of oxygen is like, we can have a look at, all right, which end of the spectrum do you really fit? We see two common, common types in athletes that do come in. The first one, which is the most common, is a lot of endurance athletes typically will do lots of long, slow, continuous training. Makes sense. We need to accumulate the Ks in the legs. We're really good in terms of just going all day at a pretty comfortable pace. So we generally see their usage of oxygen is really quite consistent. And then sort of getting towards threshold, things start to decline quite rapidly. The before and after portion of the race, actually a couple moments during. But first, I want to talk about the history of the Spartan race. So obviously the Spartan race is a series of obstacle course racing. So OCR, when you hear somebody talk about